0: The world is changing fast, but you can learn it at a slower pace. Special English You're listening to Special English. Here is the news. From billiards and basketball to pop quizzes and treasure hunts, a host of fun activities – have been organized by colleges and universities across China to welcome first-year students to campuses as the autumn semester begins. Eighteen-year-old Wang Yuha never expected to be drawn into an exciting water-gun fight. Soon after her arrival at the Chinese University of Hong Kong, Shenzhen Branch, in South China's Guangdong Province, the challenge organized for first-year students came with a set of tasks, such as playing a round of billiards, shooting a basket and taking pictures at a specific location, which all needed to be completed without being sprayed by an opponent's water gun. If the water hit the name tag, it turned blue, and the student concerned got knocked out of the game. Wang said she learned to work together with strangers during this team building exercise and also became familiar with the campus environment song wei jing a first year student at duke kunshan university in suzhou in east china's jiangsu province attended a special fair on the campus Different departments of the university set up pop-quiz stalls, and prizes included handbags and snacks. Song was asked to list three of the five most famous mountains in China, and one a fancy student ID holder after answering the question correctly. A treasure hunt greeted 18-year-old Hu earned ti at the Beijing Institute of Technology. The first years followed clues through the campus to redeem prizes, including air humidifiers. She said that the weather in Beijing is sultry, and riding a bike on the campus can make people sweat but she still found the university atmosphere very welcoming. In Tianjin, several universities started welcoming first years in the middle of August. Tianjin University arranged shuttle buses to ferry the students and their parents to the campus from railway stations and airports. Volunteers were assigned to help the students go through the entry procedures. Dalian Maritime University in Liaoning Province took the welcoming ceremony to the next level. On August the 15th, the new group of students got to ride autonomous vehicles developed by their seniors. This was the first time these vehicles were rolled out on the campus. Some commented, it's amazing that the first years experienced the fun of technological innovation upon their arrival at the university. This is Special English. Hong Kong residents will have the chance to see 120 Bronze Age artefacts from the Sanxingdui archaeological site during this year's National Day holiday, including many that will be displayed for the first time outside Sichuan province, where they were unearthed. Tickets to the much-anticipated exhibition, which runs from September 27th till January 8th next year at the Hong Kong Palace Museum, are now on sale. Artifacts of bronze, jade, gold and pottery dating from 2,600 to 4,500 years ago will be put on display for Hong Kong residents, giving them the opportunity to learn about the latest archaeological discoveries of the Sanxingdui culture, a representative of the ancient Shu civilization that originated in the Sichuan Basin thousands of years ago. The 120 priceless exhibits, mainly loaned from the Sanxingdui Museum and the Jinsha Site Museum in Sichuan, will be displayed in four sections depicting the art, urban life, belief systems and origins of the Shu civilization. Among them are 23 pieces of classified as Grade 1 National Treasures, including a bronze head with a gold mask and the stand of a bronze tree. The Hong Kong exhibition will be the first time that some of the artefacts will have been displayed outside Sichuan, including the bronze heads, eye-shaped objects, a hybrid tiger-dragon figure as well as a jade rectangular stand with an animal face and phoenix bird motifs. Almost half of the artefacts were unearthed during excavations at Sangxingdui between 2020 and 2022 providing visitors with a glimpse of the latest archaeological findings at the site. Visitors can buy their tickets via the official websites of the Hong Kong Palace Museum, West Kowloon Cultural District and its mobile app, as well as at local ticketing partners, including China Travel Service Hong Kong, Fliggy, KK Day and Kluke Tickets will cost one hundred and fifty Hong Kong dollars for adults, about nineteen US dollars and seventy five Hong Kong dollars for children, students, seniors, people with disabilities, as well as the recipients of the Comprehensive Social Security Assistance Scheme. Louis-Ang chi Wah, director of the Hong Kong Palace Museum, said that as a highlight of this year's National Day holiday, the exhibition will enable audiences to appreciate the magnificent civilization of sang due and other parts of Sichuan, and also dive into the lives and cultural interactions among different regions and ethnic groups in ancient China. Ung said this show also marks the debut of the special exhibition series held by the Hong Kong Palace Museum. Ung noted that the series event, focusing on the origin and development of Chinese civilization, testifies to the museum's mission of promoting the inheritance of the splendid Chinese culture. You're listening to Special English. Aiming at enhancing museum's tour guide services and eradicating erroneous information, An instruction has been issued by the National Cultural Heritage Administration of China with specified regulations for non-museum tour guides. Cultural sociologist Chu Xin said the regulations are a needed step to better public cultural education. The guidance also indicates that museums should seek ways to establish mechanisms for training and assessing and certifying societal level museum guides. As to what counts as a societal level museum guide, cultural creative industry expert Yao Yu refers to individuals such as amateur history lovers, social media streamers and tour guides. Yao said that between visitors' lack of knowledge about a museum and also the fact that some museums are having trouble providing enough tour guide services, there is a leeway for societal-level individuals to run their own cultural businesses. Yao added that it is often difficult to ensure the quality of these third-party services which can often be misleading. A recent incident at Beijing's National Natural History Museum of China involved a guide delivering incorrect dinosaur knowledge to a group of primary school students. The guide was later identified as the team leader of a privately run educational group organising events for children during the summer holiday. According to Yao, cases like this are numerous and occur with targeted consumer groups like children and also foreign visitors the museum should have a way to cope with these misleading incidents. Listed in the guidance, museums and their related administrative departments should strictly supervise the contents provided by private guides. The museum should also carry out inspections to discover wrong acts such as distortion of historical facts and jokes about history. Those who make severe mistakes will be included on a blacklist. Chu pointed out that this black-and-white-list mechanism reveals that non-affiliated museum guides have not been banned, but they just need adjustment. Chu noted that qualifying good private guides also has advantages such as making up for the talent shortages at museums and promoting the cultural scene among the public. Other than regulations for tour guides, the guidance also called for moderately increasing the frequency of free museum tour services. It encouraged museums around the country to host free cultural activities for the public by inviting curators, scholars and cultural experts as guests. The guidance also suggests that local museums should make extensive use of modern technologies such as AI and virtual tours to improve Visitor Services This is Special English Amidst the gleeful giggles of his grandson, who was engrossed in playful activities close by, Shanghai resident Feng let out a sigh of profound relief, with qualified caregivers looking after his grandson in the baby house Fung could focus on his own life, like taking classes at the senior university or reading books and newspapers. The Baby House aims to provide convenient and temporary childcare services for families with children aged under three. According to data from the National Health Commission, China had approximately 32 million infants and toddlers aged under three last year, with over one-third of them coming from families seeking childcare arrangements. In metropolises like Beijing, Shanghai and Guangzhou, over two-thirds of families have a demand for childcare arrangements. In Shanghai, baby houses were launched as a pilot project in 2022. The city plans to expand the facilities to all 16 districts this year, adding some 3,200 community childcare spots. These centres are usually located within communities, making them easily accessible to parents. With colourful and spacious interiors, resembling kindergartens, such facilities offer children engaging activities and designated spaces tailored for various developmental needs. Inside one of the baby houses in the Jiangning Road subdistrict. The children's play zone features soft cushions with separate rooms designed for different activities, such as crawling and balancing exercises. The corridor comes alive with vibrant, magnetic and graffiti walls, as well as colourful tactile panels. Chen Chen, a local parent, said that some parents have set up online chat groups and often bring their children together to the childcare facility. Chen said that when children of similar age gather, they adapt faster, which is helpful for their growth. Between 2021 and 2025, Shanghai plans to achieve a child care coverage rate of no less than 85% for its more than 200 sub-districts and communities. You're listening to Special English. That is the end of this edition of Special English. To recap, I'm going to read two of the news items again at normal speed. Please listen carefully. Hong Kong residents will have the chance to see 120 Bronze Age artefacts from the Sanxingdui archaeological site during this year's National Day holiday, including many that will be displayed for the first time outside Sichuan province, where they were unearthed. Tickets to the much-anticipated exhibition, which runs from September 27th, to January the eighth next year at the Hong Kong Palace Museum are now on sale. Artifacts of bronze, jade, gold, and pottery dating from two thousand six hundred to four thousand five hundred years ago will be put on display for Hong Kong residents, giving them the opportunity to learn about the latest archaeological discoveries of the Sanxingdui culture, a representative of the ancient Shu civilization. It originated in the Sichuan Basin thousands of years ago. The 120 priceless exhibits, mainly loaned from the Sanxingdui Museum and the Jinsha Site Museum in Sichuan, will be displayed in four sections depicting the art, urban life, belief systems and origins of the Shu civilization. Among them are 23 pieces classified as Grade 1 National Treasures, including a bronze head with a gold mask, and the stand of a bronze tree. The Hong Kong exhibition will be the first time some of the artefacts will have been displayed outside Sichuan, including the bronze heads, eye-shaped objects, a hybrid tiger-dragon figure, as well as a jade rectangular stand with an animal face and phoenix bird motifs. Nearly half of the artefacts were unearthed during excavations at Sangxingdui between 2020 and 2022, Providing visitors with a glimpse of the latest archaeological findings at the site. Visitors can buy tickets via the official websites of the Hong Kong Palace Museum, West Kowloon Cultural District, and its mobile app, as well as at local ticketing partners including China Travel Service Hong Kong, Fliggy, KK Day, and Klug. Tickets will cost 150 Hong Kong dollars for adults, about 19 US dollars. And seventy- five Hong Kong dollars for children, students, seniors, people with disabilities, as well as the recipients of the comprehensive social security assistance scheme, Louis Sung Chi Wah, Director of the Hong Kong Palace Museum, said that as a highlight of this year's national day holiday, the exhibition will enable audiences to appreciate the magnificent civilization of San and other parts of Sichuan and also dive into the lives and cultural interactions among different regions and ethnic groups in ancient China. Aung said that this show also marks the debut of the special exhibition series held by the Hong Kong Palace Museum. Aung noted that the series' event, focusing on the origin and development of Chinese civilization testifies to the museum's mission of promoting the inheritance of the splendid Chinese culture. You're listening to Special English. Aiming at enhancing museums' tour guide services and eradicating erroneous information, an instruction has been issued by the National Cultural Heritage Administration of China with specified regulations for non-museum tour guides. Cultural sociologist Chu Xin said that the regulations are a needed step to better public cultural education. The guidance also indicates that museums should seek ways to establish mechanisms for training and assessing and certifying societal-level museum guides. As to what counts as a societal-level museum guide, cultural creative industry expert Yao Yu refers to individuals such as amateur history lovers, social media streamers and tour guides. Yao said that between visitors' lack of knowledge about a museum and also the fact that some museums are having trouble providing enough tour guide services, there is leeway for societal-level individuals to run their own cultural businesses. Yao added that it is often difficult to ensure the quality of these third-party services, which can often be misleading. A recent incident at Beijing's National Natural History Museum of China involved a guide delivering incorrect dinosaur knowledge to a group of primary school students. The guide was later identified as the team leader of a privately run educational group organising events for children during the summer holiday. According to Yao, cases like this are numerous and occur with targeted consumer groups like children and also foreign visitors. The museum should have a way to cope with these misleading incidents. Listed in the guidance, museums and their related administrative departments should strictly supervise the contents provided by private guides. The museum should also carry out inspections to discover wrong acts, such as distortion of historical facts and jokes about history. Those who make severe mistakes will be included on a blacklist. Chu pointed out that this black and white list mechanism reveals that non-affiliated museum guides have not been banned, but they just need adjustment. Chu noted that qualifying good private guides also has advantages, such as making up for the talent shortages at museums and promoting the cultural scene among the public. Other than regulations for tour guides, the guidance also called for moderately increasing the frequency of free museum tour services, It encouraged museums around the country to host free cultural activities for the public by inviting curators, scholars and cultural experts as guests. The guidance also suggests that local museums should make extensive use of modern technologies such as AI and virtual tours to improve visitor services. That is the end of today's programme. I hope you'll join us every day to learn English at a slower pace.